It is the Last Call Podcast with Chris Michaels. Another glorious week. We are well into it. Another uh, exciting week, actually, coming up on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So I'll let you know about those situations. Uh, But, I mean, we run across these situations, I don't know how many times, about these supposed non-governmental organizations, these these pillars of society that want to make sure that mankind is going down the right track. Hello, World Health Organization and all of the rest, the UN monitors. We hear about these clowns going around to different countries and basically raping the women, engaging in drug trafficking and human trafficking. And this new story has the World Health Organization directly in its sights. When the World Health Organization went to the Congo between 2018 and 2020, two dozen workers for the UN agency preyed on more than 100 Congolese women. And dozens of staffers were raping, sexually abusing, and otherwise harassing the local women. This is not new. This is something they always have done. Look at what was going on in Haiti after the earthquake when the Clinton Foundation was ravaging the place and people that were working for the Clinton Foundation were found kidnapping 33 children. Oh, gosh. What are the odds that they choose the number 33 for their victims? One of the victims with this new Congolese Truthful accusations identified in a U.N. report as Jolene was believed to be a 13-year-old girl. Other women say their attackers used no birth control, from which several pregnancies ensued, and they were forced to get abortions. In the case of Jolene, a World Health Organization driver stopped on a roadside in the town where she was selling phone cards and offered to give her a ride home. Instead, he took her to a hotel where she says she was raped by the person. And we have none other than World Health Organization Director General, Dr. Teddy Adhamanin Gesundheit. He traveled to the Congo 14 times during the COVID outbreak, repeatedly taking credit for the response to the outbreak while publicly commending one of the alleged rapists for his quote-unquote heroic work. This is what's really going on with these groups. This is the real agenda behind all of these people, these degenerates, like Tedros Adhamanin Gesundheit. You know for a fact, or at least it wouldn't be that far out of the realm of possibility because we have no evidence to validate my conjecture that he more than likely was engaging in some kind of nefarious activity, possibly along the same lines, especially when you are commending the rapist for his heroic work and you've traveled to the same exact area where these rapes were occurring. Don't tell me you didn't know about it, Dr. Teddy Gesundheit. Oh, it's disgusting. And what's even more insulting is that they decided to pay off 104 victims Do you know how much they gave these victims of rape? A mere $250. Why? Because that is essentially about four months worth of pay 
in that area of the world. So they thought they were really validating all of these claims, making a very just settlement so that these women could get along with their lives. But that's not the most insulting part. They forced these women to take, quote-unquote, income-generating activity courses before they took the cash. Many Congolese women who are sexually abused still have nothing, according to the AP. World Health Organization said in a confidential document that about a third of the known victims were impossible to locate. Yeah, I wonder if they're even still alive. And the World Health Organization said nearly a dozen women declined its offer. The total of $26,000 that the World Health Organization has provided to the victims equals to about 1% of the $2 million World Health Organization created Survivor Assistant Fund for victims of sexual misconduct. So there you have it. Not only did they rape these women, they then dangled 250 bucks in front of them and forced them to go into a essentially a work assistance program so that they can start running their own businesses and creating income. You can't get any worse than these assholes. And these people at the World Health Organization and Gavi, which essentially funds it thanks to Bill Gates, they want to tell you and me how to live our lives. They want to question our morality when we have legitimate concerns about experimental gene therapy prophylactics being injected into over, I don't know how many billions of people worldwide. And these people in the World Health Organization, the pillars of society, they want to have signatory nations cede their sovereignty when it comes to another outbreak and the World Health Organization would be the penultimate judge, jury, and executioner when it comes to health policy. These people dare try to judge us and try to rule over us in a dystopian, fascistic style of governance. Absolutely not. These degenerates have to go and we should just drum them out of existence. And speaking of another degenerate, Netanyahu, shooting his fat matzah-sucking mouth off, says if the IDF doesn't decimate Hamas, then guess what? You're next because Israel is the bulwark pushing back the jetty that is maintaining our pristine shorelines against the barbarism of Islam and Hamas. Yes, he's out there trying to get more money out of Congress. Went on Sean Hannity's show, lantern-jawed moron Sean Hannity, which, by the way, this is the reason why you shouldn't trust Sean Hannity. One, he's a horrible radio show host. He's not like me. He's not a lovable fuzzball. Two, he wears a CIA pin on his lapel when he's on television. So where do you think his allegiances lie? Where do you think he's getting all of his talking points, his guests? And I would really like to know how much money the CIA is giving Mr. Hannity to create his idiotic talking points. So this is the reason why Sean Hannity isn't worth birdcage liner, much like my two degrees that I got, bachelor's and master's degree, which is why I decided to go into broadcasting. So he is now saying, 
that if he doesn't have unwavering commitment from the West and unlimited resources in the form of money and weapons and intelligence, then, then the United States will be next. If you thought October 7th was bad, then you just wait. We have to win, not only for our sake, but for the sake of the Middle East, the sake of our Arab neighbors. You know what? For the sake of Gazans. Yes, that's right. All the people we've been killing who've been held by his this dark tyranny that has brutalized and brought them nothing but bloodshed and poverty and misery. We have to win to protect Israel, to safeguard the Middle East for the sake of the civilized world. That's the battle we're fighting, and it's being waged right now. Okay, so there's a lot to digest in this bombastic rhetoric that this fat ass is throwing out there. You can tell I don't really like Netanyahu, uh, especially for his comments about the United States immediately after 9-11. Go look those up. So here's the thing about all this. Oh, we have to win for the sake of the civilized world. Do Has anybody read about what goes on over there, uh, over in Israel? Uh, not everybody, obviously. We're not making that kind of generalization and stereotype. But there are a lot of people that read the Talmud that you would sincerely question their membership to humanity if they believed in that stuff word for word. Just like you would question everybody else's card for humanity that is a hardcore Teutonic, or I should say it this way, a neo-Teutonic knight like Eric Prince, head of Alpha, no, not Alphabet, Academy and former uh, Blackwater. That guy, if you do any research into him and look up his fraternal organizations and his other ties, you wonder whether or not we're looking at another Barbarossa, a knight going into the darkness, trying to wage heroic wars against the Muslims. Uh, On and on. You can find plenty of examples uh, on the Islamic spectrum, too. So Netanyahu, he's trying to fight back the barbarians, and he's fighting for civilization itself. And he says we have to fight the forces of civilization. Not fight the forces. What? What kind of quote is this? We have to have the forces of civilization. Oh, right. So he's bumbling around here. We have to have the forces of civilization's beat these barbarians because otherwise this barbarism will spread and will endanger the entire world. Every American, every civilized country, I'll be under peril. We have to win. There is no substitute for victory. So now here's my other problem with all of this is that there are no visas now being required between Israel and the United States. So I don't know if any of you know about the USS Liberty. Go look up that. So I'm suspicious as to why there are no visa requirements for travel between the the United States and Israel. Uh, False flag, anybody? Uh, Especially with the point that I brought up on yesterday's podcast about how the Biden administration is giving or considering the gift of $10 billion over to Iran— Whilst on the same day, Iran says they want to settle a few scores with some former U.S. administration officials, including the former president, Donald Trump himself. 
Could it be that we're looking at some kind of false flag event involving Donald Trump and the Biden administration through a lax security procedure, mark my words, could all of a sudden allow an assassination attempt? We know how these people play on both sides of the equation, and we shouldn't trust them as far as we can throw them. The fascists are at it again. They are going to take the next enormous step to fully regulate the interwebs, and it is going to be an enormous, ginormous, I don't know how many other ways to say big, step in this. Uh, Office of Commissioner Brendan Carr has penned a missive to tell us exactly what is going on here. And the FCC is going to be the one agency that pushes total control of the interwebs to the government. So the test, the text of the order that he's talking about, network infrastructure deployment, network reliability, network upgrades, network maintenance, customer premises, equipment, and installation is now falling under the purview of the FCC. Wow, the FCC is going to have a lot of duties. Next, speeds, capacity, latency, data caps, throttling, pricing, promotional rates, imposition of late fees, opportunity for equipment rental, installation time, contract renewal terms, service termination terms, and use of customer credit and account history falls under the purview of the FCC. Mandatory arbitration clauses, pricings, deposits, discounts, customer service, language options, credit checks, marketing or advertising, contract renewal, upgrades, account termination, transfers to another covered entity, and service suspension is now going to be governed by the FCC. You can understand how damning this kind of legislation could potentially be, or I should say it this way, policy could potentially be. If you've got a rogue Democrat-run agency like the FCC controlling everything you do involving the Internet, including whether or not you even have access to it, you can completely understand why many people could be alienated and completely erased from the Internet, especially those that are critical of the ruling party at the time. That's how damaging this is. This is a massive conglomeration of power that the Democrats are never, ever, ever going to let up on. So one of his points, one of Carr's points, President Biden's plan sweeps entire industries within the FCC's jurisdiction. This is incredible. The draft FCC orders say that we are not explicitly tasked with regulating entities outside the communications industry, but then it goes on to say that the FCC will do so anyway. Landlords, construction crews, marketing agencies, banks, government itself is now all covered, all newly regulated by the FCC. And they're all doing this in the name of equity. Oh, that's right, because some uh, communities out there in the world 
they don't have access to 5G like other communities do. Yes, I'm sure that's it. President Biden's plan allows the FCC to impose unfunded build mandates on ISPs and unlimited monetary fines on every covered entity. A one-page portion of the infrastructure law that Biden cites as authority does not authorize the commission to create or enforce new punitive liability rules or compel builds. Instead, it directs the FCC to facilitate the agency and provide equal access to broadband internet access services. So this does not allow them to go around fining everybody. President Biden's plan includes price controls. Think about that. If you're a bad egg, then they could say, well, he's a danger to society. Oh, he's a terrorist. Oh, he's a mandate anti-vaxxer person. We have to watch out against him. So we are going to determine what he should be paying. Biden's plan also adopts an expansive and disfavored theory of liability that Congress neither directed nor authorized the FCC to adopt. It states that is that the policy of the U.S., insofar as technically and economically feasible, that subscribers should benefit from equal access to broadband. Section 60506 then directs the FCC to adopt rules that facilitate equal access to broadband and prevent and eliminate what they call digital discrimination, of course, based on income level, race, ethnicity, color, religion, or national origin. So you see how damaging this kind of draconian fascistic style policy could be. They're going to completely monitor the internet. They even say that banks fall under this policy. So if you've got a bank, or better yet, if you've got a bank account at a bank that is sympathetic to, I don't know, a Biden administration, and you happen to be critical of the Biden administration, watch out. You could be in the crosshairs of the FCC now and in a heap big trouble. And don't think that this is just an isolated story because you see other items in the news realm also validating this next push to control the internet ahead of the 2024 election. Now, I'm also going to say this. If the FCC basically controls all internet in the United States, then I would be suspicious about whether or not they have control over electronic voting machines that don't have any kind of router or anything like that or modem, whatever the hell it's called, even though they do. So does that mean that the FCC now controls elections because everybody uses an electronic voting machine? Interesting point to consider. But from Reclaim the Net, Microsoft and Meta detail plans to combat election disinformation, including watermarks for memes and more quote-unquote Fact checkers, what could we ask for? What more do we need for this next election cycle? We're going to be having the most secure election ever in the history of forever. Wow. 
you know how damaging this is. You've got a company like Microsoft. You've got an idiot like Zuckerberg over at Facebook. They're the ones that are going to try to run this crap up the flagpole again. We already went through this in 2020. We sort of went through it again in 2022. But are they really going to create all of this discord for another presidential election cycle? This is how worried these people are. If they could just steal the election, I mean, if they can just win again, then we'll never have to worry about a Donald Trump because they'll be too old to run. Microsoft, Meta, they want to know what you're doing, who's posting what. One of the measures is the Content Credentials Digital Metadata Scheme, otherwise known as a meme stamp watermark. Considering that the most widely used browser, Chrome, is not signed up to the group that spawns content credentials, the question remains how helpful it will be to political campaigns using the tech in their images or videos to show when, how, and by whom the content was credited or edited, including if it was generated by AI. So that's what they're trying to market this as. Oh, we have to know whether or not this is in fact real. We, is this AI generated? Who put this out there? We need to fight the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, the North Koreans, all the barbarians just beyond the horizon. They're all going to come after us, and they're going to compromise this next election. Yes, that must be it. We need to protect you. Ah, thank you very much, Meta. Thank you so much, Facebook. But it's not just isolated there, because now you're getting politicians in on the act. Politicians like New York Governor Horseface, equine-esque Kathy Hochul. And because of what's going on in Israel and what is happening over in the Levant, she is taking the next step to ensure the safety of New Yorkers everywhere. And she's now saying that the state will be collecting data from surveillance efforts on social media to monitor what they call hate speech. Gee, I wonder what could go wrong with that. Could hate speech be interpreted in any way possible? I would say so. She says, it's painful to me as the governor of this great state, William J. Lepetame, I mean, Governor Hochul, that has been known for its diversity and how we celebrate different cultures, religions, and viewpoints. Unless it's counter to the Democrat narrative, then we don't celebrate any of that. It's painful to see the cruelty with which New Yorkers are treating each other. Everywhere, from college campuses to streets, schools, playgrounds, even as they're entering their houses of worship, people are now being judged. And she is immediately deploying the state police to protect synagogues and yeshivas and mosques and any other place that could be susceptible to hate crimes. And we're focused on the data we're collecting from surveillance efforts. Oh, how are you doing that? What's being said on social media platforms? And we have launched an effort to be able to counter some of the negativity and reach out to people when we see hate speech being spoken about on online platforms. Should... And New Yorkers should feel they have to hide any indications of what their religious beliefs are. Strike that out. So 
what do they mean that they're just going to reach out to people due to a social media post? Is somebody going to be knocking at the door? Oh, did you say something icky? Did you say something critical of the governor or a Democrat party member? So in New York State, you're now being monitored through everything, and it's being shared. Finally, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley has decided to go on Fox News and vie for the next fascist award, and I believe she has a very, very strong chance of winning it. Now, Nikki Haley, former Boeing Board of Directors member, so you know for a fact that she is going to create all kinds of chaos and discord across the planet, start new wars, fund new despots, try to get more people killed, so she's immediately out as far as a legitimate candidate is concerned for me. But she's on Fox News, and she goes, allowing people to post on social media anonymously is a national security threat. Every person on social media should be verified by their name. It gets rid of the Russian bots, the Iranian bots, and the Chinese bots. Now, do you want, uh, and by the way, Nikki Haley, sweetheart, let me talk to you for a minute. You want people's real names out there. You want everybody on social media and across the internet to be validated. And I would assume you want those names stored in some secure government database that can be accessed at any time in case of some kind of future incident that we may want to be looking at. Um, you, of all people, you want to strip the privacy of American citizens and you want their real names out there. Nikki Haley, otherwise known as Nimarada Rantawa. Yes, that's right. That is Nikki Haley's real name, Nimarada Rantawa. So of all people that is try that are trying to come out there and say, we need to secure the interwebs and we need to fight back against bots. That's why everybody should be using their real names across social media. You don't even use your real name when you're running for president, you idiot. So this moron has got to get out of here. We don't want to see her. We don't want to talk to her. And, of course, all of the mainstream media and the warmongers and the elite Republican establishment, they can't get enough of Nimarada Rondawa. They just love her to death every time this jackass says another dystopian-like policy that she wants, like stripping anonymity across social media and forcing people to use their real names on Twitter, or I'm sorry, X, Facebook, Instagram, and whatever else. They just love it. And they know she sat on the board of Boeing. So you know that they're going to dump money into her so that she could start more wars across this planet. And that's why, even though she is showing an abominable poll rating in the Republican primaries, you have all of these rich, wealthy, well-connected Republicans in name only trying to push her up the ladder as far as they can possibly go. The Republican primary voters, they don't care about Nimarada Rondawa. They care about Donald Trump. 
But these people don't speak for you. They're trying to influence you. They're trying to take your vote because they want Nimarada Rondawa to go out there, create more wars, and strip your civil rights and freedom of speech away from you because that's what these World Economic Forum stooges want from this next presidency. It's going to be it. It's the Last Call podcast with Chris Michaels. I'll be back tomorrow with more brilliant cutting-edge commentary. We'll <laughs>